As the world heads into uncharted territory, business leaders are seeking perspective. The What Now, What Next podcast series features KPMG advisors addressing the issues that are of most concern now and in the near future. Today, I'd like to introduce Rob Barrett and Tarun Sandi, who will spend some time talking about some of the tools available for managing supply chain risk. Rob and Tarun, as we begin, would you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Absolutely. Good morning. This is Rob Barrett. I'm the head of the U.S. supply chain advisory business. Hi, I'm Tarun Sondi. I lead our third-party risk solution within Managed Services. Thank you both for joining us today. I'm looking forward to what it is that you're going to share with our listeners. So at the beginning of March, the Institute for Supply Chain Management said that nearly 75% of companies reported disruptions in their supply chains in one form or another due to COVID transportation restrictions. But by the end of March, when a second survey was conducted, that number jumped to nearly 95%. Rob, let's start with you. Can you share with our listeners what you're seeing with supply chains? I know COVID-19 has certainly exposed the vulnerabilities of organizations. Is it possible that it might finally force industries to rethink and transform their supply chain models? Well, we're certainly seeing a lot, and not all companies are being impacted in quite the same way. Some are seeing a significant surge in business, which has its own challenges, while some are seeing complete shutdowns of a portion, if not all, of their business operations. And as you mentioned, well over 90% of the Fortune 1000 companies are significantly impacted by current events, and that, quite frankly, is not something we've ever seen before, at least not from one event. With all this said, though, over recent decades, many organizations have faced extreme supply chain challenges that have really stretched their capabilities to the breaking point, whether it be from natural disasters or tariffs in recent years and now the spread of the virus. And as shown, major global disruptions can impact even the most mature supply chain organizations and industries, from travel to high-tech manufacturing in this case. The impact across industries has been quite deep and very widespread. Unfortunately, I think the frequency and magnitude of supply chain-related disruptions, and we might call them black swan events or geopolitical events or things related to tax tariffs or financial situations, is increasing. And perhaps that is the new normal that companies need to be prepared for. In the past, once the smoke is cleared from these so-called black swan events, many companies just simply go back to business as usual and often defer the hard work of fixing systemic issues exposed by the event. Perhaps this time will be different. It certainly feels different with impacts being more pervasive. I do not think the global pandemic has caused the breakdown of existing supply chain paradigms. It's simply surfaced fault lines that have been placed for many years now. So in the months to come, I think organizations are going to have to reflect on shortcomings and lessons learned from the COVID situation, recognizing that those that do will be better positioned to respond to the next event that is surely on the horizon. Let's now turn to people. Tarun, I'd like for you to walk us through how you're seeing people and stakeholders respond during this time. I'd imagine there are a few things people are going to need to be good at going forward. Talk us through that. There are essentially three things we see the market trying to solve for. And what they're trying to do is get their hands around these risks and establish resiliency in the supply chain. First is really the comprehensive view of risk. This is where organizations are trying to create this Cartesian map from a global perspective on how to identify or instrument those risks and manage the complexity surrounding supply chain. If you think about the different risk areas, let's take, for example, financial risk. The key question they're trying to ask is, 
are you really managing your suppliers and understanding their financial risk and are they really stable? What is their reputational risk around brand? Are there reputational risks associated with the labor management and contractors, the manufacturers associated with it? What about cyber risk? The other risk area is management risk. Do we regularly monitor and track the emerging threats, the disruptions that cause around supply chain? And does it really extend into the supply chain? So keep going down location risk, workforce risk. Another really important one is operational risk. If you think about the entire manufacturing process, if one network fails, what happens? Is there a downstream impact and an upstream impact? Do they now go into financial distress? So all these complexity around risk, you want to be able to instrument them and surface all that insight to the top. The second area I would say is around predictability. In the age of AI, now what we're trying to do is once you instrument those risks, you want to be able to bring all those data points and analyze them. There's only so much a human can do by looking at different areas, understanding the data, trying to remember all the situations that could potentially occur and come up with an answer to it. Now, with AI, with big data, what we're trying to do is to bring all this information in together in a more multidimensional way rather than a binary way, automatically capturing and scanning and analyzing the different market signals, moving from a passive learning to more of a generative learning. And that's where the changes happen from a big data perspective. You get more into predictive risk, the advanced warning system. How can you bring and proactively mitigate these impacts? Can you even simulate them? And the last area I would say is around, can you create a digital twin? And the idea around a digital twin is to create those simulations, understanding and estimating the probability, the severity, and the reach of each one of those risk scenarios. And once you're able to simulate that, then you know how to deal with that over time. And the third area, I would say, is understanding the enterprise-wide risk impact across your demand, supply, and economics. When you look at demand, what is new in the demand curve? Where is the prediction going from a demand surge or a decline over the next 30, 60, 90 days? What will that impact on the pricing levels, service levels, payment terms, and so on? Supply side, what are the supply vulnerabilities? What specific suppliers, materials, routes, carriers will be most vulnerable? And to what extent? That's really a key question here. It's not just that they are vulnerable. I think there's an assumption there. But to how much of an extent are they going to be vulnerable? And what does that do to your supply side? When you look at the economics, what is the end-to-end economic impact? How much economic contribution is at risk in the immediate short term and the long term? And finally, what I would say is, what is the predicted net economic impact of each contingency lever that you pull? By understanding that and instrumenting all these insights, you can really bring all this information together to make a very informed decision and continuously simulate them so that you understand how it impacts your organization. Tarun, thank you for that. I'd like to stick with you for just a minute, and I'm curious if you can share about some of the outcomes you're seeing. Are there capabilities that organizations need to have in place as they move toward recovery? I think the the biggest thing that you would want to do, as as we just talked about, and I think Rob really covered it well in the beginning, is that the understanding the risk, instrumenting them, and coming up with a strategy. And that strategy has to be an informed strategy. As you look at the common risk frameworks that exist out there, 
you can certainly leverage them. But then you have to bring in your personal input. How does your business operate? How do you deal with those risks? It could be very different than common risk frameworks that exist. So make sure that you personalize them, simulate them, and instrument the information and continuously keep that refresh, right? The one other thing that I would share with you is that the ability to be able to look at a point in time. As we entered into this COVID, all the things that you had done prior to that in terms of looking at a supplier on an annual basis or biannual basis, when something like this happened, you want to get a situational assessment of what's happening now. All the plans that your suppliers have put in place prior to the crisis, did those plans go as planned? Or did they make some exceptions to those plans? Did they create new policies to be able to mitigate some of the risks? And are those policies and mitigation factors aligned to the way that you want to be able to manage that risk? Or are you going to now create an exception on top of their exceptions? So that situational assessment during a crisis like this is really important to go in and have a quick pulse to see how it's going to impact your business in the short term and long term. Excellent. So one of my favorite questions we ask on this series is if you can share tips for our listeners. Rob, if you don't mind, let's close out today with you. I know that crisis can oftentimes serve as a catalyst for change. In light of our discussions around supply chain challenges, how can our listeners help their organizations create a culture of resilience that positions them for recovery? Yeah, so good question about tips and tricks. The change that we're talking about here isn't going to be easy. There's a lot of work that needs to be done to build resiliency into the supply chain to better anticipate and manage risk. And hopefully if we do so and do this well, companies will be less flat-footed when the next significant risk event occurs and more confident in their ability to execute and evaluate the current situation. You know, one thing that will help with that change is can we change the yardstick? Can we change the yardstick by which we measure supply chain and elevate the importance of risk-related metrics? Traditionally, we measure supply chain purely by speed and cost metrics, and this has, quite frankly, come at the expense of risk or flexibility considerations. So I would propose that we'll see a more balanced scorecard going forward that provides more weight to risk and resiliency factors above and beyond the traditional efficiency metrics. The other thing I think will come out of this, and I don't know if this is a tip or an outcome or a trend, but we'll likely see the acceleration of economic nationalism and the notion of make where you sell and buy where you make, thus de-risking the dependence on long lead time global sourcing arrangements. And finally, take a moment to assess what happened? What went well? What could have been better? And get started. It's going to be a journey. You can't finish a journey until you start one. Rob, I want to leave our listeners with the insight you just offered up. You mentioned that change is not easy, but if done well, it can lead to confidence and the ability of an organization to execute. Robin Tarun, thank you for being with us today, and thank you for sharing your time and insight. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us We'll look forward to bringing you other insights from our KPMG advisors in the next edition of What Now, What Next. In the meantime, you can check out the other podcasts in our series at visit.kpmg.us slash COVID-19. Have a good day.